Return to Camp Blood, episode 73. We're just getting warmed up. This episode is brought to you by Friday13thFranchise.com. Jesus Christ. Jason's alive. He killed my friend, now he's coming to me. He's got a death curse. Jason's a legend. I'm Mrs. Ward, an old friend of the Christie's. Jason belongs to hell. You don't think you stay here. Never come back again. You see, Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. Welcome to another episode of Return to Camp Blood. Um, I'm not technically your host this time um, because I'm just recording the intro and outro. So um, a little bit ago, uh, Eric, Nate, Lando, and E all sat down and talked to um, a man who not only brought about but has remained a driving force behind one of the most prolific and beloved franchises in horror history. But you Friday fanatics already know that. Sean S. Cunningham was responsible for the advertising campaign that made Friday the 13th must-see in 1980. Well before Jason became the reason to visit Camp Crystal Lake, worked closely with the late, great Wes Craven, and 36 years after Mrs. Voorhees ventured upon revenge, Cunningham's characters are being developed in what promises to be an epic video game. Um, So... I'm about to play the uh, audio from that interview that they did. Um, And I'm still pissed at them for um, not getting the what's that you say reference in there. Anyway, here it is. How are you doing tonight, Sean? I'm doing fine. How are you? Oh, awesome. Awesome. (laughs) So 2017 seems to be the year Friday is finally rejuvenated. With the game coming out. It sure seems that way. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so excited. I mean, being a fan and all, I I just can't wait. I mean, the game's coming out early 2017. We we potentially have a movie projected. You know, Kane's killing people, and Harry's he does. <laughs> but he does he does that with without or regard to the movies. He doesn't need the movies to do that. <laughs> it's just all it's just all part of the character that he likes to project, and it really helps him make conventions. I think. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> so we've. T- what about your role in the game? Could you elaborate a little bit on your role? Yeah, well, um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, what happened was there. There's a history of a. Uh, well, I'm gonna stop on uh, because this whole thing happened because of the you know because of the guys at Gun. And um, our desire was to make a, a game that was going to be similar uh, to what they were talking about doing. And uh, they were going to make, I can't remember what it was, but it, you know, it was sort of like a uh, Friday the 13th wannabe, but without the, without the name, but they're going to have you know, campers and killers. And, mm-hmm. and uh, our guys, particularly Steve Harris, who's uh, from our end, was you know, the, the, the point guy in the game, uh, they had been talking back and forth. And after, uh, several, uh, long meetings, they said, you know, maybe we can make this thing just all come together because they were hiring Tom Savini. They had hired Harry Manfredini and, and they, they wanted to do what we wanted to do, but they didn't have the name. So we wound up, you know, shaking hands and, and saying, okay, 
what if you did have the name? How could we go with it? Come on, we can make something happen here. And, and we did, and it's been sort of a nonstop ride ever since. Uh, my job has been, I don't do coding. <laughs> it should only be done by professionals, but uh, uh, I, I've been a, a big supporter of it, and I've been um, just, I can get continually amazed at, at uh, the graphics and, and the math that goes into it. I, I just can't imagine it. Uh, it's just, it is magical. You know, from the end user's point of view, you don't care. You just want to play the damn game. But mm-hmm. the way that thing gets created, it, it just, it's uh, I'm just in awe of, of that craft. If you guys um, got that technology in 1980 or 79, rather. Well, yeah, or, you know, or certainly in, 1990, but nothing, I mean, there's just nothing like that out there. Um, and, and I suppose it's true across the board, but certainly nothing like it in terms of a Friday the 13th-ish game. Right on. Okay, what? <laughs> I was wondering, uh, something I wanted to ask you about is, there been a lot of stops and starts with the potential for the next Friday the 13th movie, and right now, like Eric could talk about it, they have projected at the end of 2017 for the next film, the 2009 reboot. <laughs> didn't really go over all that well. Over time, people have been more receptive to it and really understood that it was pretty good. But just how critical do you think this next film is for the life of Friday the 13th? I mean, is, is this kind of a, a make or break? If it's successful, they'll be able to move forward. If not, maybe it starts to fall away a little bit. Well, um, I mean, the short answer is, yeah, it's really important. I mean, this is Friday the 13th. The thirteenth, um, and uh, it, you know, it it has to supply, um, it has to be <laughs> both completely unique and more of the same. <laughs> you can't, you know. I mean, uh, Jason has to be in the movie, and he can, and he has to remain Jason, um, and. Um, Young people have to be in in um, jeopardy, and some get away, some don't. And how those dynamics work out um, has been done and done and done. Because you know, when you pay ten dollars or fifteen dollars, whatever it's going to cost to go see this movie, you have every uh, expectation that it's going to be um, the same kind of ride that the uh, earlier ones have been. So that's both the good news and the bad news. And um, I think that. That uh, Paramount has uh, Paramount had this really stubborn notion that um, they wanted to do found footage-ish, you know, that they could cut to stuff that looked like VHS uh, footage and intercut it with regular footage and be able to tell the story of you know young Jason and his mom or, and or some of that stuff. And it just the timing just seemed totally wrong, but. They spent a lot of time and money trying to find something that the executives specifically um, wanted, and they never quite got there. And I think that was sort of a blessing in disguise. I think that uh, there was a regime change, and and uh, different executives, you know, wound up being assigned to the project. And um, uh, then recently. <clears throat> um, I'd like to say that they, they broke the back of the script, 
but it, certainly they wound up having a script that, that everybody seemed to like, and then they put it out, uh, you know, for director suggestions, and Brent Eisner, um, who's probably a very, very good choice, has um, signed on to do it. Now, that's when all of a sudden they really got my attention, because... <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was starting to feel like, uh, you know, uh, Charlie Brown, was it Charlie Brown trying to kick the football and uh, no matter whatever, whatever happens, right. The very end, Lucy always lets go and I can't do it. So I know this may be a replay of that, but nevertheless, right now, um, I choose to believe that all systems are go. And, um, I think that, uh, you know, if we, uh, it'll either be a fact or it won't be a fact, um, I guess, by March 1st. Uh, because if if we're not shooting by March 1st, there's no way we're going to make a, a release date at the end of the year. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the ducks are lined up. And really, somebody has to get take out a pen and write a check. <laughs> you know, and then that's when it's real. And until then, it'll be more talk. Anyway, I think um, I think that uh, it's you know the the bar will be high, and I think that uh, I I think that the fans will. I mean, they haven't seen one of the movies. That, you'll tell me, but what has it been? Almost eight years, which makes no sense at all. But that's how long it's been. Um, as far as the future goes, uh, I I I don't know. I think that if, if uh, if the movie were not successful, Friday the 13th would absolutely 100% continue because of uh, the game and, and the world of, um, of uh, cable. You know, it'll, it'll be a net series, uh, you know, a, a cable series or a, a CW series. And that uh, will open lots and lots of different doors. So um, I'm, I think that the, uh, the movie is very, very important. But it's not uh, life or death important. Right on. And I, I think us as fans can see that, especially with the way technology is going. And people, I mean, I the game I see as a generation bridge between Gen X and millennials. And I think it's just so profound for the franchise in general. It's just amazing. Yeah, and I think that, again, nobody, you know, Nobody really knows, but we all are betting that um, this is not going to be a flash-in-the-pan game. That, that, that at its core, um, it'll be a really good game, which um, will you know continue for at least a few years. That's at least <laughs> from from your lips to God's ears is kind of <laughs> the, the prayer. But uh, yeah, and and I'm I am very. Um, I have been very involved, and I continue to be very bullish about the TV series called Friday the 13th, and um, it has all the same kinds of problems that <clears throat> that um, the feature has, but the big difference is you, <laughs> you've you got 20 hours or so to work it all out. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't have to be one gigantic price. Uh, but it's um, I, I'm really looking forward to that as well. Now, Sean, you had just mentioned just a little bit ago about you know how the success of the new film would ultimately be a big factor on the continuance of the franchise. Um, with, with that being said, assuming that the film is successful, 
Um, there's been a couple internet articles that we've discussed recently that uh, made reference that it was time to put Friday the 13th to rest. If you had full creative control over the over the the next film per se, or just the franchise in general, uh, even with the TV show, um, do you agree with that that it would be time to put it to rest, or do you still think there's plenty of gas left in the tank? Oh, um, I got three grandchildren, and I <laughs> can't put that to rest for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> And we totally agree with that. We think there's plenty of gas in the tank still. There, there really is, and I, and I am so much more bullish on it than I was because of all the work I've done on the on the um, on the TV series, and so now I can see possibilities that I could never see before, and very very strong um, story possibilities, and and um, and I think that it's uh, it just opens up. Um, all kinds of really good things, and and I think it's a way, it's a very strong way to breathe life into um, uh, in, into the franchise. And I think that uh, you know, you say if I had complete you know control, would I put it down? Um, the answer is absolutely not, um, because what I would, I mean, if we can make movies and the movies deliver enough circus and enough, you know. Um, group energy to be uh, an event that takes place every two years, great. But nevertheless, with the, with the game and, and the TV series, there's going to be uh, lots of new possibilities. And I think that, you know, I, I just think it could really work well. And we definitely agree. And I mean, you even mentioning the TV series, uh, my hopes just went way up. <laughs> well, yeah, mine too. Um, it, and indeed, you know, that we do control, um, you know, completely uh, <laughs> right now because it's off the air. <laughs> but, uh, but of course, you know, uh, it, it, any TV series is a, is a major, you know, cooperative effort. But the public and the networks want the same thing that we want to make. And so, um, you know, I think... Uh, yeah, I I can't talk about it yet. I mean, I'm just so totally psyched about the day I will be able to talk about it. But um, you know, I think that I think the thing that I can say is that um, the town of Crystal Lake, you know, becomes sort of like the the major character, or certainly the major location, and um, and, and the people in it, and so. Um, Think of uh, Amity Island and Jaws, mm-hmm. and you know Crystal Lake is Amity Island, and and Jason is the shark that's out there swimming around. But suddenly it becomes stories that involve the people on the land, and uh, so so by setting it up that way, you have the potential of telling all kinds of stories. You aren't limited to, you know, the three dumb campers who wander. <laughs> wander off into that old camp campground <laughs> on a bed and then decide to tell <laughs> tell ghost stories around the fire. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. They're uh yeah, you gonna do that, that's fine. They're toast. But uh you know, but you you gotta have a hell of a lot more than that if you're gonna have uh, tell a you know, an interesting and engaging story every week. And another thing about the T V show I'd like to just mention real quick is 
um, for the for the horror fans in general out there, you know that uh, I don't know how familiar familiar you are with uh, Ash versus Evil Dead TV show, Sean. But uh, there's been a lot of comparison, you know, to how successful that show has been in relation to the possibilities with the new Friday show. Yeah, and I think that you know um, Bruce, um, he just he just got it. You know, and he's just uh, he's he's the world's greatest Bruce Campbell. <laughs> and that's all there is to it. And he is very much so. And uh, also uh, with MTV Scream throwing so much, paying so much homage to the slasher genre, and from Psycho on, uh, it's it's just phenomenal. And I I love that the horror that you, that you put out is like entertainment from a much more civilized age. And yes. And I want it. I, I'm happy that that the millennials are getting a chance to be a part of that and have that, and that that that's what's going to carry it on for generations. And it's beautiful. Um, going back to Friday the Thirteenth, there is a fan favorite character, and I don't know that I've heard any interviews where you've talked about him, but. Whenever you were casting the Prophet of Doom, Mr. Walt Gorney himself, <laughs> how did you did you did you approach him, or did he come in audition and you're like, oh my God, he's crazy, Ralph? Um, I'm I'm virtually certain that it came in through uh, uh, Barry Moss, uh, who was who did the New York casting on it, and uh, he surely was. Uh, you know, the antithesis. Of, you know, you go into some. He's Ralph the Rat Man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I I suppose you could have found somebody else, but why? He just he just kind of worked, and uh, you know, he functions, however primitively, kind of as the the seer in you know in Shakespeare. You know, it's like beware of the Ides of March. Yep. And you ignore him at your peril, as indeed the kids do. Yep, and that's a fact. Uh, um, one of one of the things I was wondering. Um, obviously you were there at the outset of the franchise and everything when everything got started, and you've had a hand in it throughout the life of the franchise as well. Here and there, um, I was curious if you had had like full control over the direction that the story went from the beginning. Like, where would you have taken it, or were you okay with where they went, or would you have kept it more linear, or how would you have approached it? Well, I would have approached. I I am sure that I would have fucked it up. <laughs> 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 and uh, you know, it, it had its, uh, you know, it, it had its own perverse way of of uh, going from going from episode to episode um, without. I mean it always kind of kept the fan base in mind and, and it was, um, they were sort of called blue collar horror films. You know, they weren't trying to, they weren't trying to be, you know, pretentious or anything. They were just trying to get this job done. And, and, um, you know, I, uh, I've, you know, my, now it's so long, you know, I've, I've grown to understand how, um, how the franchise worked over those years. But, you know, it defies uh, it defies every every rule that you would ever learn in film school about how a script is supposed to work. 
It's just, right. it's just fucking wrong. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> and it, you know, it may be exactly that, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's perverse insistence on being wrong. Um, but it's, uh, I think, I think if you can, if you get it right, even though it seems dark, it turns out to be fun to watch. You know, it's like going on a good roller coaster. And uh, uh, some people don't like roller coasters, and they never will. And other people, other people who like roller coasters, then they get off and and they're laughing and scratching and say, "I right, want to go again," <laughs> or not, you know, uh, or. With any luck, they get off their laughing. There's, you know, that was really fucked up, man. <laughs> you know, that's 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 kind of that's kind of what happens. So uh, today, I wouldn't. <clears throat> today, I you know, um, I, I guess what would have made me totally nuts um, with the with the movies as they evolved was the total, not total. But the apparent inconsistency about, you know, the backstory. Right. Uh, what did one What did one movie have to do with the next? Have to do with the next? And uh, my God, I've known I've known fans who've tried to piece together <laughs> those, those stuff, and it's like, uh, like somehow or other, you know, the genealogists were just on acid at the time, and I was like, I don't know how they made these connections. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but uh, the time-space continuum just uh, uh, just uh, can't make any sense of it whatsoever, and it seems to be okay. Um, but I think that that will, you know, I think in the future, um, if if I have uh, anything to say about it, I probably will. Uh, that the the movies will complement whatever I know relatively new rules get established in, you know, in, in the TV series so that, you know, the, they should uh, complement each other and not contradict each other. And I think that's, a, that's an obvious uh, win-win. And I think that that's where, that's where I'm quite sure it's headed. And that's awesome. Um, so could you tell the fans a little bit about what you have coming up uh, on the horizon? About? Uh, any projects well, you're under getting released? Oh well, yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, well, I I have just finished. All right, this this not no probably not what you bargained for, but I just finished um, making a documentary based on um, some hospice care workers that I've met, and um, it's called "The Nurse with the Purple Hair," and um, I met this wonderful person at a fan convention in Toronto. And she turns out that she was a hospice nurse. And I said, Oh, really? What are you doing here? <laughs> you know, and tell me more about it. And, and I knew some, some stuff about it, but she told me a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't know. And it was, it, it, I found it to be really fascinating. And I just wanted to, I wanted to do something to, you know, honor her and the work that she did. So, the Nurse with the Purple Hair will be out um, this year, or 2017, surely. Um, and I think the, the the project I'm I'm highest on right now is um, uh, I, I guess a reboot remake of um, the original House movie, the 
1986 Bill Cat movie. And gosh, we, you know, we came back to it every five years and said, oh, is there something there? I said, you know, you try something, try something. And, and you say, oh man, just leave it alone. It's a good movie, you know? And then um, recently we got, you know, basically turned the corner with the script. And, and um, I want to do a really fun, scary, haunted house movie in the style of house. Um, and that I want to direct. And the, <clears throat> finally, and the script is, is working. And um, I think it's imminently castable. Um, the, the big difference is that the, um, the lead character is going to be a woman, not a man. And that makes, makes everything different. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think, and it makes it, uh, I don't know. It, it, I just, I'm really psyched over it. And I think that it's something I'm, uh, just chomping at the bit to direct. Well, that's awesome. Um, well, sir, I know that you are a busy man. I thank you for your time. And well, I thank you guys for your interest and, and I hope that, uh, uh, we'll hook up, hook up again in, you know, uh, Lexington or, or, or wherever. And, uh, we'll talk about, you know, remember when we talked about the film <laughs> blank, <laughs> now look at, now look at the mess you've gotten us into. And, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out then, but thank you very much for, for checking in and, and I wish you guys the best. Well, all right. I hope you enjoyed that interview. And, um, as always, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to the show. If you want to support us financially, head over to campbloodpodcast.com slash donate. If you have a question or a theory, you can hit us up at the website under the contact tab or comment on the show notes at campbloodpodcast.com slash 73. A special thanks goes out to the Downriver Rat for our intro and outro music. You can check his stuff out at thedownriverrat.com. Until next time.